So we welcome you. This is message number four in our series, The King's Size Challenge. So the Bible is challenging us, right? We're looking at these ten divided monarchy kings, these ancient kings that lived thousands of years ago but are so relevant to our lives today. These kings face their defining moments, just like you and your life will face these same ten defining moments, and we're looking at them one at a time. And a defining moment is a moment that will define your life. In other words, when you face this moment, your life is going to go one direction or another depending on how you face these defining moments that these ten kings faced, but you also in your life will face. Our key scripture is Romans 15.4. The Apostle Paul wrote this looking back on the Old Testament. And he said everything written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. So we're looking at these ten kings. And as we're studying them, we find instruction and encouragement and hope to face our defining moments. So this morning, Jotham's king-sized decision. Now, as you look around, did you notice when you came in, or even right now, the one thing we all have in common? It's not our age. It's not our dress. It's not our gender. It's not our height. It's not our weight. It's not where we live. The one thing, the one thing, we all make decisions. Can you believe that? No, it's not that we are all rooting for the Giants or the Raiders or the 49ers. Okay, I figured there'd be some fans here. But guess what? All, as a matter of fact, I'd like you to turn to your neighbor right now and say, hey, you are a decision maker. Just say that to them. That's right. Now watch this. Some of the decisions we make, they're not that important. I mean, they're not that important. I mean, you know, what are you going to wear this morning? Not that important. Are you going to, you know, root for the Raiders? Not that important because they're going to lose no matter what, okay? <laughs> hey, I didn't hear any Raider fans in here. Okay, we got a little Raider nation. All right, all right. But other decisions are very important, and these decisions can lead to very profound consequences. Now, this morning, we're going to come face-to-face -face with a huge decision that every person in this room has to make, and in fact, you are making. But some of you have never realized how profound a decision this is in your life. Your life will go one way or another depending on how you face this defining moment, this defining decision. Our king-size challenge this morning to faith Jotham's king-size decision. Now, let me give you a little background about King Jotham. Uh, he served as the 11th king of Judah, the southern kingdom. He came to his position as king at just 25 years young. He reigned in Jerusalem 16 years, the capital of the southern kingdom, from 750 B.C. to 731 B.C. Now, he was one of the good kings. God said about him that he did what was good in the sight of the Lord, what was right in the sight of the Lord. Let's see if you can identify his king-sized decision. Take your Bibles, find 2 Chronicles chapter 27, and verses 1 to 9 is what we're going to read this morning. Jotham 
was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. His mother's name was Jeshua, daughter of Zadok. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Uzziah had done. But unlike him, he did not enter the temple of the Lord. The people, however, continued their corrupt practices. Jotham rebuilt the upper gate of the temple of the Lord and did extensive work on the wall at the hill of Opel. He built towns in the Judean hills and forts and towers in the wooded areas. Jotham made war on the king of the Amorites and conquered them. That year the Amorites paid him a hundred talents of silver, 10,000 cores of wheat, and 10,000 cores of barley. The Ammonites brought him the same amount also in the second and third years. Jotham uh, grew powerful because he walked steadfastly before the Lord as God. The other events in Jotham's reign, including all his wars and the other things he did, are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. Jotham rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David, and Ahaz, his son, succeeded him as king. Now watch this. Did you notice his king-size decision? It's subtle, but it's very profound. It doesn't jump off the pages, but if you read this scripture 10 times, like I've read it more than that, it'll all of a sudden emerge, and it's this. Let me give it to you. Jotham's king-sized decision, he decided to learn from the mistakes of his parents and not repeat them. Wow. Look at verse 2. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Uzziah had done, but unlike him, Uzziah, he did not enter the temple of the Lord. Now, this morning, we're going to talk about you. We're going to talk about your ongoing relationship with your parents, be they alive or not, because you have an ongoing relationship with your parents. We're going to talk about your parents, even if they're dead. It doesn't matter if they are Christians, if they're non-Christians, you have an ongoing relationship with your parents. We're going to talk about God, because God is very concerned about your ongoing relationship with your parents, whoever they may be. There is a king-size issue at stake here that is incredibly profound that we need to grapple with this morning. Now, there are two categories of sons and daughters in this room, or if you're watching on video. Everyone here is a son and daughter. That's another thing we have in common. There are two categories. The first is this. You may be a learner. That is, you've learned from the mistakes of your parents and have made the decision not to repeat those same mistakes. You're a learner. But then there are repeaters. You've not learned from the mistakes of your parents, and you are stuck in a cycle of repeating those same mistakes over and over again. You are on a treadmill, a cycle. Question, are you a learner or are you a repeater? Let's talk about your parents. Here's a picture of my parents. My mom and dad may be here this morning. They had no idea I was going to... Th- aren't What a handsome couple, huh? <laughs> Vern and Judy Tyler, my parents. Are my parents here this morning? Okay, they are. Is mom here? Why is dad sitting there and mom sitting there? <laughs> Something's going on here. So what happened last night? Do you care to elaborate? Never mind. Here's another family. 
Here's a picture of James, Luke, and Josh, and their parents, Mark and Tracy. Doesn't that picture, don't let the picture fool you. We're just a bunch of sinners, okay? Some of you are just, oh, that's such a beautiful, guess what? Yeah, there's beauty in all families, but guess what? There's also a blend of sin and dysfunction and problems that we're not called to repeat. But some of us are repeating those things. Ooh, ooh. Now, let me give you a few things about your parents, some facts. First of all, your parents are made in the image of God, but they are sinners. And as such, they are a bundle of strengths and weaknesses. They have positive traits and they have negative traits. That's true of any parents. Second thought, no one will impact your life more significantly, potentially for good or for bad, than your parents. We realize that. Third is this, you have faced, are facing, and will continue to face the defining moment of, will you learn from your parents' mistakes or will you repeat them? This is something that you will deal with the rest of your life, but there's a defining moment that can change the way you are facing your parents. Now, I think we all know people, sons and daughters, who are repeaters of their parents' mistakes or their parents' sins. I think we all know that. I think we know uh, a dad was a womanizer. Son is now a womanizer. Mom was an alcoholic. Well, now the daughter is now an alcoholic. She's a repeater. He's a repeater. Dad was a child molester. They are now a child molester or abuser. Mom was sexually promiscuous. They are sexually promiscuous. Dad said, all churchgoers, they're hypocrites, I don't go. They say, all churchgoers are hypocrites, I don't go. Mom couldn't say no to gossip. They can't say no to gossip. Dad was a racist. They are a racist. Mom was sarcastic. Now the child is sarcastic. Dad took the Lord's name in vain. They take the Lord's name in vain. And it can go on and on and on with just... You name the vice, the issue, the sin, the dysfunction. There's hundreds of manifestations. Exodus chapter 20, verses 5 and 6, there on your outlines. Look at this scripture that talks about the sins of parents. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers, we could say and mothers, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Wow. You know what that's saying? Sin is powerful. Sin splashes. Sin has a rippling effect. Sin can easily be passed down to the third and even fourth generations in a family. But it doesn't have to be that way with you. It just doesn't. You can face the defining moment of what will you do with your parents' sins and shortcomings in a different way than you ever have before. Notice the end of the verse there in Exodus 20. It says, but showing, this is God's desire, 
but I desire to show love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. So the question this morning is this, how can I be a person like Jotham who learns from the mistakes of my parents and I don't repeat them? In other words, how can I break the cycle of generational sin that perhaps has characterized or plagued my family through decades, centuries? Who knows? What a powerful question that we will seek to answer this morning from our text. I mean, this is powerful stuff. But first, I want us to get a little bit real, a little bit vulnerable, because this is what it's all about. We talk about real things. God's Word reveals real things. And the more real you become, the more His healing balm can minister in your heart. And so I'd like you to, if you, if you can't identify something specific here, I understand. Just say, you know, there is something, but I, I, don't, I just can't reveal it. But, but we do have something like this. So here's the discussion question. Is there perhaps an area of generational sin or dysfunction that has characterized your family? Big question. You got just a minute and a half to talk about it. Go for it. So Jotham faced the defining moment in his life. I mean, he came to a crossroads. Would he learn from his parents' mistakes or would he repeat them? And his king-sized decision, he decided to learn from the mistakes of his parents and not repeat them. And the question is this, how do I become a Jotham? That's it. How do you become like this king? A learner, not a repeater. How do I become a person who learns from the mistakes of my parents, doesn't repeat them? And really the answer is this. You and I have to make some hardcore decisions right now in the power of the Holy Spirit. Right now, this morning. Three decisions modeled by Jotham to learn from the mistakes of our parents and not repeat them. Are you willing to be a learner this morning? then these are the three things you need to embrace and make a decision on in the power of God's Spirit this morning. Number one, you need to decide to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. Look at verse 2. He did, Jotham did, what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Question, have you made this decision about your life and the direction your life will take? Have you made the decision in your heart and before God to say, regardless of what my parents have done or will do, I will do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. Doesn't matter what my parents have done. It matters what I do. I choose, I decide, and my choice, my decision is I'm going to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. That's how I'm gonna live my life. Have you driven the stake down to say I, regardless of how I've been raised, I'm going to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. If you want to be a learner, not a repeater of your parents' mistakes, this is where it begins. This is called self-consecration, where you set yourself apart in God's strength to be a son or daughter who does what is right in the eyes of the Lord no matter what. Whoever your parents are, whatever they have done, the only person who will stop you from making this decision is you. And I know a lot of people that sabotage themselves 
because they're unwilling, they use their parents as an excuse or whatever, they're unwilling to say, regardless of my past, regardless of my parents, right now, oh God, before you, I'm going to choose to do what is right in your power. One of the more fascinating books that I've read recently, Adapt or Die. This book, written by retired General Rick Lynch, I would encourage every one of you to read it. I recommended this last week to the men and women, awesome as well. In the first chapter, he says, it's all about seeing obstacles as opportunities. It's all about that. And he begins by saying this, obstacles are part of life. Your parents may have been an obstacle. They are part of life because guess what? All parents are sinners. Great leaders see obstacles for what they really are, opportunities. Some of you have never looked at your parents as an opportunity to take you to the next level in your growth, and you need to change your orientation, your way of thinking. Face obstacles head-on, find the strength to push through them, and you'll find that the rewards on the other side are almost always greater than you could have expected. It all comes down to your attitude. It's up to you to choose. Wow. The first decision. If you want to be a learner, not a repeater, you got to make a choice. Decide to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. Second decision. To learn from the mistakes of your parents and not repeat them. Decide to do what our parents have done that is right in the eyes of the Lord. Look if you would at verse 2. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Uzziah had done. And you could add, as his mother had done. There were a lot of things Jotham's father and mother, the father being Uzziah, had done that were right and worth repeating and needed to be repeated. Now, two Sundays ago, we taught on Uzziah. So I'm not going to go back and reteach about his life. But there were a lot of great things about Jotham's father Uzziah that are worthy of imitation. You look at chapter 26 and verse (coughs) 5, it says, As long as Uzziah sought the Lord, God gave him success. I mean, Uzziah started off well, and he sought the Lord. What a great thing to emulate in a father, that you would also be a child, a son, a daughter, who would seek the Lord. The point is this. We should repeat those things that our parents have modeled before us that were right in the eyes of the Lord. And I think about my parents. Wow. Wow. They modeled prayer. They modeled reading the Word of God. They modeled going to church, worshiping, sitting together as a family. They modeled serving God. Always have they been in ministry, and now even in their, I was going to say 90s as a joke, in their 70s, they're still serving God. They just look like they're in their 90s. Come on now. I'm just joking. You, you would have think I just mentioned the Raiders in that, you know? Unbelievable. They look like they're in their 50s. I mean, they modeled working hard. They modeled integrity. Wow, all these, not perfect. But there are many things, your parents as well, that have emulated that you are called to put into practice. You know a great exercise? Write your parents a letter expressing your appreciation 
for all the things that they modeled that were right in the eyes of the Lord. Proverbs 31, 28, 28 says, Her children rise up and call her blessed. I think there should come a point in adult children's lives where they rise up and praise their parents in a letter, in a note, whatever, calling them blessed. Because that's one of the ways, you see, that you and I become not a repeater but a learner. We say, I'm going to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, and then I'm going to model the things that they did that was right in the eyes of the Lord. So here's a quick discussion question. Can you share one thing that you should repeat that your parents did that was right in the eyes of the Lord? Just take a moment and talk about that at your tables. So there are three decisions we need to make if we want to learn from our parents' mistakes and not repeat them. We've got to say, first of all, no matter what, I'm going to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. I'm going to learn about the, po- you know, repeat the positive things. And here's the third point, which is really the heart of the whole thing and the greatest challenge for us. Decide not to do what our parents have done that is wrong in the eyes of the Lord. This is the challenging part, where we have to make a decision to not repeat what they've done that is wrong. Now, perhaps there are just a few things your parents have done that have not been right in the eyes of the Lord. As you look back, or perhaps there's a lot of things your parents have done that was not right in the eyes of the Lord. Regardless of how much or how little, you and I need to make the decision to not repeat those things that were wrong in the eyes of the Lord. And this is very challenging, and here's the reason why. We can often be blind to those things. We can be numb to those things. Sin is very subtle as it's passed down from generation to generation. It can be passed down to us, and we can be blind to it. We can be unaware that it's a problem, that's an issue in our own lives. Or worse, we can be accepting of it. Well, this is the way it's always been in our family. This is my dad. And it just gets passed down, and that's how dysfunctional families come about, the accepting of sin and issues and explaining in a way, and ultimately you have just a mess so far from God's plan for the family, for a mom and a dad. We become indifferent to sin, dysfunctional. Now watch this. Everything can change this morning. If you choose to face this king-sized decision that Jotham faced in a different way. There's got to be a different way. I mean, if you're doing it your way and it's not working, guess what? You've got to change the way you're, you're looking at your issues. Otherwise, you're going to get the same results you're getting right now, which may be a lot of dysfunction. So really the question is, how can I learn from the mistakes of my parents and not repeat these, you know, things that I know are wrong? How can I not do the wrong things my parents have done that I do see have affected and gotten passed on? I mean, how do I get victory over this area? And that's where we need to look at three guiding principles that are modeled by Jotham that are really the heart of this message. Principle number one is this. You've got to get, if you want to have victory over these areas that, guess what, and I have them, I think every son and daughter you know, (laughs) receives a degree of generational sin. How are you going to face this? Number one, get specific about what you will not repeat. You got to get specific. Notice how specific Jotham gets. (laughs) There is power in getting specific. Look at verse 2. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Uzziah had done. But unlike him, 
he did not enter the temple of the Lord. Now, we studied this with Uzziah. Remember a couple weeks ago, Uzziah usurped his role as king and usurped the role of a priest by going into the temple, remember? Which kings were forbidden to do and leprosy broke out on him and, 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 you, and, and now Jotham is saying, guess what? That is the one thing I'm not going to do. He got very specific about what he would not repeat that his daddy repeated and did. And, and that's what it takes if you want to see victory over areas of sin. You've got to name it. You've got to label it. Generalizations don't help. They will just build bitterness. And I can tell you many sons and daughters who are just bitter with their parents, even to this day, and they're old. They're almost as old as my parents. Just joking, just joking. I mean, that, that's amazing, you know? <laughs> I love it. See, generalizations, they don't help. I mean, I, I've heard guys say, my dad, was he was just such a loser. My mom was the worst mom in the world. And what that leads to just leads to bitterness and then eventually to blame. No, no, you've got to get specific. You say, what do you mean by that? You must get to the point where you can write down specifically what your parents did that you refused to repeat. That's what Jotham did. I will not enter the temple ever. What is that for you? I will never enter strip club. I will never enter a bar. I mean, what is it that needs to be broken? You must name the sin. What is the sin you don't want to repeat that your mom or dad did? What is the mistake you never want to be caught in? You say you know what it is. Okay, write it down. Write it, I mean, write it down like Jotham did. You say you know what it is. Okay, are, really? Please spell it out. I mean, literally write it down. If you can't write it down, you probably will not defeat it, and you will probably just repeat it. It's only when you write it down and specify what it is that then you're going to have a good chance to overcome it and have victory. I mean, what is, is it lust? Is that it? Is it substance abuse? Is it lying? Is it anger? Pornography? Is it laziness? Is it worldliness? Is it sexual immorality? Is it abusive language? Is it gluttony? Is it just an undisciplined life? Is it an unpurposeful life? Just living without purpose? Is it stealing? Is it indifference? Is it selfishness? Is it greed? You, you see, what I see here, beloved, is there's power. This is part of confession. To confess our sin is to say the same thing. It is to agree before God with what it is. You gotta let Jotham. But unlike him, I did not enter. I'm not going to enter the temple of the Lord. First principle, you want to have victory? Get specific about what you will not repeat. Second guiding principle to help us learn, not repeat the sins of our parents, the mistakes of our parents, is this. Replace the potential bad habit with a good habit. This is powerful. And I don't think I'm reading too much into the text because notice what Jotham does. Look at verses 3 to 5. 
<laughs> so he says, you know, this is the one thing I'm not going to do. I'm not going to enter the temple of the Lord. And then it says here, verses 3 to 5, Jotham, what does he do? He rebuilt the upper gate of the temple of the Lord. That's the southern, uh, or that's actually the north side of the temple of Jerusalem. And he did extensive work on the, the, the wall at the hill of Opel. That's on the southern side of Jerusalem, actually where the city of David is. Some of you were with me just a few months ago. The city of David, this is where this king was doing work. He built towns in the Judean hills and forts and towers in the wooden areas. Look at verse 5. Jotham made war on the king of the Ammonites and conquered them. That year the Ammonites paid him a hundred talents of silver, 10,000 cores of wheat, and 10,000 cores of barley. The Ammonites brought him the same amount also in the second and third years. That is substantial tribute. A hundred talents, that's three tons of silver. 10,000 cores of wheat and 10,000 cores of barley, that's 10,000 donkey loads. We're talking a lot of tribute. Do you see what's going on? Jotham he comes to a crisis in his life. Am I going to repeat the sin of my dad or am I going to learn from it? He says, I'm not going to repeat it. And furthermore, I'm not going to go into that temple. And furthermore, one of the things that's going to keep me from ever going into that temple, I'm going to stay busy. I'm going to create me a good habit. Be a good king. The way you overcome a potentially bad habit is you replace it with a good habit. Otherwise, there is a void, and that dysfunction will continue to find its way into your heart. I don't know if Jotham really would have been tempted like his father to usurp that role of a priest and offer sacrifice, maybe. But one thing we do know, Jotham stayed incredibly busy, rebuilding, doing extensive work, building towns, forts, towers, conquering other kingdoms, expanding his territory, exacting tribute. One of the ways we learn from our parents' mistakes and not repeat them is by replacing a potentially bad habit with a good habit. And for Jotham, that was industriousness. Oh, King David could have learned a lot from King Jotham. Because for David, in the time when the kings went out to war, David what? Stayed what? At home. He should have been industrious. But he stayed at home and he was vulnerable to the sins of his parents. And the same sin that he got from Saul and just came down. His father-in-law, Saul. Wow. In our family, one of our potentially negative traits is, just being honest, is workaholism. Our family, if you know anything about the Tylers, we struggle with workaholicism. I mean, we are workers. Now, however, to combat that, what I noticed when I grew up was my dad built into the fabric of this tendency. I mean, we went, when we went on a vacation to Montana, we would work. <laughs> That's how bad. I'm laying concrete, working for my uncles. I mean, my life was filled with work. And I'm grateful I look back on that. You know, I learned how to work hard. But it was extreme. It was extreme. However, one of the things that I, I look at Dad and I see what he did is every Sunday we stopped work. And that was a Sabbath rest. 
he built in a habit that we honored. He was replacing a potentially bad trait with something that was good. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. It says this, But you, man of God, this is a great scripture on how to break habits, tendencies. But you, you want to be a man of God or a woman of God? Okay, this is what you have to do. Flee from all this. You've got to flee from that one thing. And the all this is materialism in 1 Timothy 6. And then Paul says, you, if you want to break, so to speak, the, you know, generational sin, You've got to flee from that thing that kind of dominates you. But then he says, but pursue, and then he names six things, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. In other words, the way to overcome a bad habit is to pursue six other good things. You replace the bad thing with a pursuit of six other great things in your life. I'm sure... I don't know what your, your family's potential kind of bad habit dysfunction is. I don't know. Every family, though, usually has one. They do. A particular sin, a particular problem, a particular negative tendency or trait that's often been passed down. And watch this. You overcome that by replacing it with something good. You've got to identify it. Now, watch this. If you go through life and you don't even know what that is, for me, I can name it workaholism, that's one. You've got to name it. But then you have to replace it with something good. That's how you do it. The third thing is this. Principle number three, walk steadfastly with God. And I skipped the discussion question just because of time, but I want to show you that question can you share about how you are learning to replace a potentially bad habit with a good habit? I mean, that is a cool thing to just think about. And you know what? I would have you think about, if you're watching this on video in your small group, stop the tape, talk about it. But you know, today, would you talk about that with someone? How are you learning to replace a potentially bad habit with a good habit? The third principle Walk steadfastly with God. Look, if you would, at verse 6. It says this, Jotham grew powerful because he walked steadfastly before the Lord his God. You know that word steadfastly? It means consistently. Jotham walked. The Bible doesn't say that he sat or he ran with God, but that he walked with God. In other words, he maintained this consistent relationship, watch this, with a living God. The Hebrew Literally, for the word steadfastly, means he set his heart on God. And the point here is this. If you set your heart on God, if you walk with God, talk with God, include God, read God's word, God will point out to you, watch this, the strengths in your parents that you should follow and the weaknesses that you should reject. God will point out to you the things that he wants you to embrace and continue in. God will also point out to those to, to your life, those things that your parents did that he wants you to reject, cast off, get rid of. Look at verses 7 through 9. This is powerful. The other events in Jotham's reign, including all his wars and the other things he did, are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. 
Jotham rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David, and Ahaz, his son, succeeded him as king. Do you notice what's missing there? It never says, he messed up. He blew it. He's the only king in all the Bible who started off well and finished well, other than King Jesus. David started off well. He didn't finish well. Solomon, every king in the Bible, all 39 of the divided monarchy kings, other than Jotham, this guy started off well, and he finished well. Beloved, there ought to be something in your hearts that is saying, why? I mean, if you're not asking that question, you're just not here. When you see, let me tell you, think about it. How many people do you know that maybe started off well, but they've not finished well? You don't want to be that person. You do not want to not finish well. So you ought to say to yourself, like I've been this whole week, Lord, how can I be a Jotham? I mean, how can I finish well? And guess what? It's not a secret. It's, it's not difficult to find out. You've got to face a defining moment head on. And some of you, still the Holy Spirit has not convinced you how significant an issue it is, your parents, and the ongoing relationship you have with your parents. Jotham came to a moment in his life when he said, I want to finish well, God. Am I going to learn from my daddy's mistakes and mom's mistakes, or am I going to repeat them? And he said, I'm going to learn. I'm not going to repeat them. I'm not going to fall prey to that cycle that has plagued my family, that has been passed down to me. What about you? So here's your challenge. Are, are, are you ready to face Jotham's king-sized challenge in your hearts? Some of us have been deeply hurt by our parents. Others of us, not so much. Regardless, there is a critical decision to be made. Look at Ephesians 6, 1 to 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, that a, with a promise. What's the promise? That it might go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. That was Jotham. Went well with them. Enjoyed long life on the earth. You know, we honor our parents most when we honor God first by learning from our parents' mistakes, not repeating them. The result that it may go well with you. Herbert Lockyer, in his book, All the Kings of the Bible, this is how he begins his chapter about King Jotham. Just listen to this, very profound. He says, Judah's 11th king seems to have profited, profited by the sin and sorrow of his father. For Jotham copied all the good qualities of Uzziah, but not his evil qualities. Is that you? Have you profited from the sins of your parents? You can. It's a gold mine ready to be cashed in, or you can just remain bitter and go down that path, and it will not go good. Or like Jotham, 
Have you copied the good qualities of your parents and not the evil? So, are you willing to face that moment? Our parents have made and will continue to make, you know, mistakes. The question is, will we be repeaters or will we break that cycle and learn? Three decisions modeled by Jotham to learn from the mistakes of our parents, not repeat them. Decide to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. Say, I'm going to be that man, that woman who's going to do what's right. Decide to do what our parents have done that is right in the eyes of the Lord. I'm going to repeat those things they've done that is right. Decide not to do what our parents have done that is wrong in the eyes of the Lord. And there are three guiding principles that will bring you to that end. Get specific about what you will not repeat. Name it, label it. Principle number two, replace the potentially bad habit with a good habit. And principle number three, walk steadfastly with God because it's His strength that will move you forward. And I would just say, remember these words and adapt or die. Obstacles are part of life. Great leaders see obstacles for what they really are, opportunities. There's an opportunity this morning in your life. Face obstacles head on. Find the strength to push through them, and you'll find that the reward on the other side almost always is greater than what you could have expected. It all comes down to your attitude. It's up to you to choose. Let's pray.